This episode is brought to you by Bento Box, a hospitality platform that empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships directly through their website. Opening soon listeners save 40% on the setup fee at getbento.com slash opening soon. That is G-E-T-B-E-N-T-O dot com forward slash opening soon. This week on Meet and 3, we're examining the true cost of convenience when it comes to when, where, and how we eat. Dark stores enable workers to eat without any kind of thought to how they're getting their food or how it might have come to be. DoorDash, Uber, and Lyft in the past have pledged to spend $90 million to try to exempt themselves from the law. I could be wrong, uh, but I... I think there's going to be significant regulatory pushback on driverless trucks. Tune in to Meet in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. And welcome to Opening Soon on Heritage Radio Network. I am your host, Jenny Goodman. And I'm Alex McCreary. And if you're just tuning in, this is our second season of Opening Soon. It's a weekly show that will walk you through all the steps of opening a restaurant, from your idea to getting those doors actually opened. And if you don't already know who we are, we are failed restaurant owners. Uh, We're now successful workwear makers at Tillit NYC. And we're really excited that this is our second season. So our first season went really, really well. And I feel like we got a lot of great information for all the young restaurant entrepreneurs out there. Um, And we're doing a little bit deeper dive into some of the same topics. We're broaching some new ones. Um, If you want to catch up on what we've done so far, you can obviously, you know, check on your podcast app and go through season one. You can also check our blog on our site as we post um, wrap ups and some key points from from each uh, episode that we've done. And so for today, uh, well, I guess this season we started talking about finding financing in a couple different ways, as well as uh, taking the jump into ownership. And now that you've got that in place, it's time to start thinking about nailing down your brand and your design. Yeah. So today we have some experts with us. Um, We have Amy Morris of The Morris Project. She is a James Beard award-winning designer that does branding and interiors, as well as Camille Becerra, who is a chef and a food stylist and a recipe developer who lives in New York City. And she has over 20 years of restaurant experience. Um, Camille just makes absolutely gorgeous food and really nails um, thinking about things in a holistic manner. So I'm super happy to have everybody here today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Yeah. I've been a fan of your show. It's so much fun to be in the studio <laughs> seeing what you guys are doing. It's, truth be told, Amy like sent me notes on season one, guys. It's, uh, she, I'm not even, I'm not even, she would be like, I listened to like episode four, five, and six on my flight to London and this is my thoughts. <laughs> like, I listen to it when no I travel. Shit. I love it, yeah, which, I, which is great. So I'm like, so happy happy you're here. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about, you know, I want to jump in talking about creative process. Um, so maybe Amy, we, we can start with you. Tell us like, when do, should people start getting in touch and when should they start thinking about the creative process right. for their brand? And I mean, I think anyone who's creating something, there's a story behind how that got started. And I think that story is very significant and they should start recording it as soon as it comes to life. And even we were talking, you know, at lunch and Camille was telling us a bit about her story and she was giving us key words in her story. Even that is useful, but 
any anything that makes you stand out, record that. Anything that's very close to the heart, just start taking notes on your story. That's very important. Keep that. Even if you think it's not time to write it down yet, write it down because you'll come back to it and find really salient points that will come back into um, your branding. Um, also, keep a mood board. Start collecting images. It's so valuable as well yeah. um, because visual language and verbal language are very different. What white or clutter means to you is different to me, um, or maximalism. Um, also think about your scope. Uh, one thing I also recommend is start asking everyone you know about printers. They're a very important <laughs> part of the branding process. Yeah. So, you know, try to find sources that are really good. Um, when do people, like, how far out are people normally coming to you? Are they coming to you with enough time to, to do, you know, what you can do best, what's best for them? Or are they coming in... Two yeah. months out from opening. And we, get, we get all um, right. kinds. I mean, typically branding would take, I would say, three to four months. And that last month is all about the print, print production. So test running, making sure you have what you need and the templates and the mm -hmm. right printer. Um, and then interiors take six to eight months. Um, but we have done both in a month. So, Oof. but don't call your designer with a month's notice. No, That's no. Like, I mean, you're you not going to you're not always going to get the best work. I mean, right, something like course. Seed and Mill, we did that design very quickly at Chelsea Market, and yeah. it was just so it, you could see immediately what they were missing with their first designer and what needed to be done. I mean, it didn't have any of the part of the story that it was from the Middle East and the color and the arches and right. you know all of that character um, we wanted to bring into it. And I'm working on a project right now that it's a wine bar opening in Williamsburg called Cosmico from Tammy and Felipe Donnelly yeah, from we'll, uh, we'll Cloning Verde. Preview there. Yeah. So they needed to do it very quickly because this opportunity came about. And we're doing it while we're producing, while we're designing it, we're also things are being approved and they're going right to the printer. Mm -hmm. So we're finding a way to make it work. It's not the best way to work because creative is not on tap. Yeah. It evolves and every day we come in as a team and we look at that creative and we have new ideas and ways to evolve it. Yeah. So you want to allow that time for the creative to evolve to be the best it can be. I, mean, I like that you said, and you said that at lunch too, like creative isn't on tap. So like for Camille, for you, like when do you start when you're coming up with, you know, starting a new business or starting a new restaurant or, you know, entering into the space, like when do you start with your creative process? When does that happen for you? And how does that tie in with? Um, really in the beginning, even before I take on a job, I really try and understand what, it is and how I can how I can apply what I've acquired throughout my career to it and so um, <clears throat> before I take on the job I, I have a clear understanding of um, if you know the partners in in the project and I align mm -hmm. on an aesthetic um, and that's really important as a chef yeah. like if you don't align with your partners um, in a very basic aesthetic or way to eat, then there's really no point in taking the job. You have to be very careful yeah. about that. We've talked about this a lot with like partner alignment and vision alignment. And it's like if people don't have the same vision, you just shouldn't work together. No, it's, yeah. you're going to waste so much time. So um, so that's first. Second, um, I think that to me it's super important to make sure that the whole experience um, is aligned. So... Um, both the design of the restaurant has to go with the food. And I don't mean like specific, like, you know, if I want to do Japanese style food, the restaurant has to 
look like a Japanese restaurant. No, I'm talking about there's a certain lifestyle that people are attracted to, and that uh, that is like falls into how they eat and how they want their environment to feel. And I think that that's really important. That's a really, I mean, that's an interesting point is I think that design has gone, you know, for both food and place has gone from this like very literal place to sort of this more like lifestyle place where, you know, like what you just said is like, I want to eat this beautiful food and this environment even, you know, it doesn't have to look like, well, we know, call it the kind. third space. Okay. So you yeah. spend a lot of time at home and right. you spend a lot of time at the office, but you know, you, there's a place you want to go to gather with friends right. or do a little extra work, and it's neither home or office. In, in New York, a lot of times it's a restaurant or a cafe. Yeah, it And so is. they become, it becomes your local, and so you want it to feel that way. You right. want it to feel, have a personality and resonate with you. And at the same time, there has to be a, a lot of functional balance to everything, right? I mean, it's... So important. The chairs have to work. The chairs have to be... We've talked about this. It's kind of a reference point. We make a lot of... of the forty-five, the forty-five minute chair versus the fifteen-minute chair. They're they're very different feel, and they're for very different uses. You you want a hard, uncomfortable chair for people that because when you're Pretty trying long, to turn right. that chair in fifteen minutes, that's yeah. what you want. But then if you are encouraging a tasting menu that's three hours long, you better have a chair right. that's that's true. Not going to hurt your butt when you sit there for three hours. So, and yeah. then and then you have to bring that into the feel of, of the restaurant, whether it's mid-century Roman that which was <laughs> talked about earlier. Um, also, the flow. I mean, that's one of the first things we work on. And not all designers love doing floor plans, but it's something I love. I geek out about. Even a 600-square-foot space, I feel I could come up with probably five floor plans for that. Yeah. Right. And there's so much to think about. You do want people to move through it like they would move through their home, where there are different nooks and spaces where you want to sit from a communal table right. to a cozy, cozy corner. But also on a business de- decision, you want to have a space that you can privatize. So... To Maria, we did these banquettes that cornered off the front of the restaurant so you could have Vogue could come in and do a breakfast there, but right. the rest of the restaurant remained open because Camille had a real following and people wanted every day, wanted to meet there and have breakfast. And if you're always closed for private events, right. then your you locals can't. get upset. So it's important to have a place you can privatize while keeping the restaurant open. Yeah, and then also a very big part of... Uh, deciding where you're going to or who you're going to partner like even before that is understanding your neighborhood what neighborhood are you in and do you know how those people want to eat is it you know a neighborhood that lends itself to like a lot of global travelers or is it more of a neighborhood spot like you have to have your community Mm -hmm. that lives in that area or is there most of the time you have to understand and connect with them yeah that's it's funny because Camilla Marcus was on the very first episode of the season and we talked about fundraising and she was like your investors are people who live in the neighborhood because they want a place to go so it's I mean from a design perspective and who you're yeah who you're there are very few establishments I think that can survive and thrive as being 100% destination it's there always has to be some element of the neighborhood especially if you want to feel like you're bringing in some element of community into what you're doing, which I think everybody wants to do, right? Well, I think that's where some restaurants have made mistakes, coming into a neighborhood, like like Fort Greene is very much a neighborhood, and not welcoming the neighborhood, but being more focused on the Manhattan crowd. Right. Right. And then where's the longevity there? Right. Yeah. Uh, Kind of a, a basic question, I guess, but are there different levels to hiring a designer that that 
chefs can do or is it like all in full package or are there different ways that you can get logo branding and those kind of things that that'll help along the process or yeah we try to work i mean there's so many great chefs out there that you want to work with and not everyone has that big budget so we do have different ways both interiors and branding to work with people at different levels i mean it gets a little boring to go through it but one of the interiors things is you know the architect does the measurements of the design drawings instead of us okay so we'll do all the design and the drawings but this is a very technical thing that takes a lot of time but if the architect wants to take that off our plate and do it they usually do it at a much cheaper rate than us that could save money for the for the client And then what about like brand, because I think we talked a little bit before and I was asking Camille, did you do, have you like always worked with a branding person and you mentioned no and like sometimes you have. So if people can come to you with branding already done and tell me like how that works, Amy, if somebody comes to you with like some branding done and then you like go off the interiors and. You mean if they already have the branding in place and they want interiors after that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the brief, you know, so when you want to learn more about the story, you want to learn more how they got that branding. Right. Um, And then I would, if you already have branding, I often ask, do you have a brand positioning? So something that kind of, or a creative direction that speaks to the branding. And it's really surprising. Most people who have branding do not have a brand positioning and do not have a creative direction. Yeah. It's like a lot of people will say, oh, the agency just thought this was a great direction or my friend did it. So they miss that piece that I feel is the most important piece is getting to know the person and the personality and the core tenets of the brand and then making sure everything aligns with that. So sometimes if someone already has a brand identity, we try to back into that and understand what is the story and how is it communicated through this brand and if it's not being communicated well then how do we change this a little bit and refresh it to communicate it well yeah and going back to a little bit about the creative process like Camille when you're coming up with a brand do you do these things like the mood boarding and the writing down of the like you know core tenets and what you are you know what are you're wanting to communicate to the the diner or the guest or sure I think that with each project I've done it's really been a very different process Um, in the beginning we didn't have a brand like it's I feel like it's very new for restaurants to have a branding agency especially small restaurants like you get into that when you're like big corporate brands but now smaller restaurants are um I guess with the with social media, perhaps, you yeah. know, brands or restaurants want some kind of brand identity. And so in the beginning, we just, you and, the, and your partners would just sit down and, and figure it out and understand what was important in terms of the food and what was in term, important in terms of design. And those were sort of the brand elements. And you just did it and... But now I think it's so much easier, obviously, to have an agency that just is specific in in what they do. And um, you do bring forth a lot of ideas. And I think that it's when you when you hire somebody to do your branding, you have to embrace it as a collaboration and not as like this is my idea and I want you to do it or please just do it right. on your own. And I don't have time. Like it is a beautiful collaboration and um, it should be, it should be done that way. Absolutely. That's one piece of feedback I would give people is yeah. people never want to give feedback when you're presenting creative because I think they're afraid of hurting the ego or right. insulting someone. And when I say this, I'm truly honest. When we present creative, there is no ego because we want the client to be happy. And 
we really want to hear what they don't like and what they like. That Camille's right. That's how you're going to get the best creative if there is a dialogue. If there's right. no dialogue, I'm surprised you've seen that because I feel like yeah. most chefs and restaurateurs <laughs> are pretty we honest. Interact with they're very willing to share their opinion. And yeah, it's interesting. Whether good or bad, and um, well, it's also a very new thing for chefs to have to do too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. as you were saying before, it's like chefs are you know you have to be a marketing person. You have to be like you have to understand design. You have to understand what's right. beautiful to like your diners and all these kind There's of things. There's always that different levels and to... we've talked a lot about like yeah. focus in almost every episode it comes up to some degree and if I think if you're intrinsically have you know Camille's ideas of what design should be or what the branding can be then obviously yes you can do that on your own but if that's not your core focus and your core focus is you know, yeah. you know finding great people or um, making incredible food but you know branding escapes you and you're just not drawing those things then there are great solutions out there and I think the collaboration ideas makes it a lot of sense. It makes it a lot more fun. It's a partner. You don't want to hand it over. It's not a vendor, it's your partner. If you're going to love your brand, you have to have, you know, it's your baby. You need to make that baby be a part of that baby. Right. Right. And I think the most important thing, though, is that you want to offer an experience to your customers. You want them to come in and enjoy the environment Mm -hmm. and feel comfortable. And then you also want to provide a certain level of service and you also want to give them good, smart, intelligent, delicious food. Right. So it's all about the whole experience. And so many times you go into a space and it's beautiful, but the food doesn't match right. it or mm-hmm. you get, um, delicious food and the space is not cute. Yeah. You know, it's really <laughs> yeah. about the whole experience. No, it is about, it's a holistic view of yeah. the experience and, for sure. And that's the problem with Instagram really is yeah. that there are a lot of people out there creating Instagram moments, which right. I don't believe in at all because I feel if you create this Instagram moment that does not match the food or the yeah. experience, it's just for you to take a picture then you're giving the wrong message to people. So you want to, you do want to be holistic as Camille saying across yeah. everything. But there do, have, there, do, there does have to be ways for people to capture what they're doing. Right. Because in, I honestly, I feel like in today's world, that's how people, people come discover. into restaurants. Yeah. That's what right. restaurants yeah. is. Instagrammable means photographable. Right. right. So just make it beautiful right. and make uh, the food great and the service great. So people are just enjoying where they are and they want to take a fi- picture like they used to want to take pictures before Instagram just right. because it's a great moment they right. want to remember. But there's details like lighting and like the reflective course, yeah. surfaces and yeah. colors I mean, of the that plates. Was, and, so can, that was yeah. an interesting thing we were talking about before because Camille's food is like photographs beautifully and I was asking you know tastes great as it well. tastes great and it photographs it's it's, yes very important it's, <laughs> well no I mean it's the whole, it's the holistic approach the whole, right yeah. it's yeah. the whole thing so like it tastes it tastes delicious you want to eat it but it also is beautiful and so we were talking you know is that something you think about in your creative process yeah very much so and uh, you know in the beginning well during Navy um which was in 13 we I realized that there was this new culture of everyone taking their f- pictures of food and how important food was to them or how important it was to like share this new place with yeah. your friends and followers. And I realized like we need to create these surfaces that are really beautiful. The tables have to be beautiful. That's something in food styling you always 
it's always, a, you know, the first thing you think about is the surface. Where is, where is the food going to be on? Yeah. And so... And you have a bunch of surfaces at home. Camille keeps surfaces. At my... Yeah, yeah. well... <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my apartment is now a food, like a food styling studio as well. Um, it, I don't have a restaurant, so I yeah. work a lot out of there. And so, yeah, it's important to have beautiful surfaces. And so we... So at Navy, I realized, and then when we we started working with Amy and Anna, um, who was her partner before, we I was talking to them about like surface, like we have to have these beautiful surfaces, and um, they came up with a great solution because it we wanted it to have like some color but be natural a natural element. Well. The yeah. idea I came up with was a leather tabletop. Right. And at first I was saying people really responded, wow, I mean, that's never going to last. And how are we going to no, do that? No, I loved right. it. I was, yeah, of course, <laughs> you yeah, so you're a vintage girl. So My you initial thought is like rings from your drinks. Like how, right. how no, did you so, solve that problem? Well, first of all, I mean, I reminded people that if you go to a, do a lot of vintage shopping, you see a lot of secretary tables with leather tops. Right. So obviously right. there's a way. Right. So I looked into it and there's a, a really heavy um, oil you can put on the table, on the uh. leather and it maintains it. I was looking forward to having the, the rings. The patina, yeah. Yeah, because some in, of that character. You wanted the rings. In food styling, like, sometimes you want that surface. You don't want it so perfect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it, the oil keeps them, they were in better shape than the actual banquet. I'm sure. They yeah, I mean, really the oil. So are, are there services that, like, now used to be popular and, like, Cut, Cutting block wood tables, yeah, is that like, a good or bad? Like, what's a good surface? Is it difficult? Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I it's preference, you know, like it's so subjective. My, um, my ideal surface is very different than somebody, you know, and then you're working with budget as well. Right. Like, That's you know, true. as long as, as long as they're like, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? As long as it's not reflective. That's no, the, the thing, tip we got. I think, I think, <laughs> no yeah, no, services. right. That and as well, like your plates and your set and your surface should match in a way like they should look to, they should be a, a family they right. should like kind right. of go together do people rec- like ha- think this much about table surfaces before Instagram and no take- no but that I mean for both I of mean you, it was yeah. like it was basically you had like marble right. which is like and really wood. fancy it's the and fancy every, stuff right? yeah and you can get it so you just like went to the Bowery and you got like either wood or or, I mean, I mean, for so long, also, people were doing the paper, the butcher block, pa- the right. butcher paper yeah, to cover your surface. surface. Right, or the white tablecloth, obviously, if you're in a right. dining establishment. So but. now people don't use the table, the paper anymore. Yeah. But some people are using placemats because with Instagram, you can get your brand in the photo really easily. Smart. Interesting. Which is a smart. Yeah. That is smart. Way to go, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, like, more casual places are putting down placemats just so that they can put their branding there. Is it just for casual places, or do you think? I had heard a story about a Danny Meyer restaurant that yeah. once they did that, it really increased the amount of people the going sales. to the restaurant. What restaurant was it? I can't remember, oh. but I do remember That's people so saying because all of a sudden the name was all over Instagram. I mean, you could easily have an embossed leather yeah. placemat as well as a paper one from the Commodore, you know? Exactly, or yeah. a coaster. Right. Coaster is a really good way to do it. So from Interesting. A, and you're, are you getting just people are asking for like, I need an Instagram moment in my restaurant. Is that does every client ask for that now? And people you're sort do of like just make the whole space. I, I do. I yeah. really encourage them against having an Instagram <laughs> moment. And I, 
The, the I step feel like, and repeat on the uh, <laughs> way step in. <laughs> yeah, just for you. Um, so we try to, I try to stay focused on the design and making it authentic, and let's right. see what comes out of it. I mean, it's it, right. we were also talking about trends and sustainability, and I think people should look at the space more of what characters in that space can they keep instead of destroying everything and starting over because there's a lot of waste. So the more you think about keeping little moments in the space, all of a sudden that Instagram moment comes out. There's a unique... Right. Organically so organically. Yeah. So your point is don't try to create it. Let it like speak for itself. But it yeah, we did that at, at De Maria we very so much. much We're like, yeah. let's, let's show... Because the restaurant had been a couple things prior... We're like, let's show the history of this yeah. place and yeah. all of its, like, every beautiful detail that everybody put into it, let's just keep it and then simplify what we're doing and embrace all those all those sort of layers. Yeah. I mean, that, that was great. We had a wall where we took the wine racks off the wall and a lot of the tiles pulled away from the wall. So most designers would say, let's retile the wall. But Camille and I were standing there, and I said, why don't I go get one-inch white tiles from Home Depot, and we'll fill it in. And Camille said, yeah, let's put a little brass where that doesn't meet the tile. And it was almost like us creating a piece of art together. And in the end, it is the thing that everyone comments on. But most restaurant owners would say, oh, no, 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 we can't play with holes in the wall. Let's just retile (laughs) the wall, paint it or something. On that that note, I think... um one of the challenges for a lot of young restaurateurs, young chefs coming into it, is budget, obviously. Are there ways, uh, you know, are there places that you can save? Are there ways that you can save in doing branding? And in branding, maybe less so, but for interiors that, that you would recommend that somebody on a, on a tighter budget? Well, I think if you have time, that always can help because then you can look for vintage pieces where you could save yeah. a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, you also can look for a restaurant. But not in Manhattan because vintage pieces in Manhattan are like eight times the price. Of I know. Uh, no, I right? have great sources. And you have to go to the oh, source. Yeah. I got to know your sources. <laughs> I'm like, no. Also, <laughs> once you get to know people at right. vintage shops and at the flea market and you get right. You're like, no, number. give me the real price, yeah, not yeah. the like exactly. shit I price. Do. You're I, trying, I always pricing. say, what's the price for me? Right. <laughs> we also, like for Navy, got a lot of stuff on eBay. Ebay. Yeah, yeah, that's a turkey and the wolf. Mace, he's gonna come on the show later in the season, but they have like all their plateware he gets on like eBay, and it's like this, like yeah. you know, it's kind of like it's a very eighties. Yeah, of, it's like cheeky, uh, but it's yeah, and he for gets it for like pennies. I mean, you can get like yeah. vintage spoons for pennies, and is there specific stuff that you guys were getting on eBay? We were getting flags, like um, nautical flags from the from eBay. We also did the wall. Um, in canvas, in like old army canvas. Which makes sense for Navy, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't so involved with the design, but um, was there pretty much, you know, throughout the whole thing. And um, what if your aesthetic is more modern? How do you you get it? You're not going to get it on eBay and you're not going to get it vintage. Right. Just Where keeping it super simple. I mean, simple modern it sometimes is very clean and simple exactly. and hyper minimal. Yeah. Right. And then just focusing on one key element that's going to be a little expensive. But also vintage isn't always. So like finding vintage. one. Sorry. You can find modern things on vintage. Right. So. But like finding one space where you want to have something really special and then the other ones, you maybe get those white tiles from Home Depot or whatnot. Right. Yeah. That's a good. That's good advice. Yeah. It's like investing in one like key statement piece and keeping it all. It's true. Yeah, I mean, if you true. look at 
public records, it looks very serene and simple, but the chairs really stand out, and they're beautiful, and those come from Vintage Shop in London, actually. So, Cool. Let's take a quick break, and um, we'll come back. And fall asleep just to... This episode is brought to you by Bento Box, helping restaurants own their presence, profits, and relationships directly through their website. A family-run business in West Hazleton, Pennsylvania, wanted to entertain the community at an affordable cost. So in March 2004, they turned the 100-year-old Hersker Theater into a modern cinema, where guests could dine while watching a movie. Cinema and Drafthouse became a classic outing for everyone in town. Cinema and Drafthouse is one of 5,000 restaurants that drives high-margin revenue directly through their website, thanks to Bento Box. Visit getbento.com slash opening soon today to get 50% off of your website setup fee. So we're back with Amy and Camille talking about space and design and brand and how it all connects with your food. Um, one thing I, you know, we're in this, one thing I'm curious about from two to extremely creative people is how do you always create something unique? Like we're in this place where everything's shared and everything's iterated on, but everybody wants to do something that's different. So, you know, from like the food perspective and the design perspective, how are you always coming up I with mean, stuff? I think it's important to stay curious and to travel and to get out there. Everyone, yeah. um, you know, brags about not taking holidays in New York, and I just think that's really—I <laughs> think that's really sad. sad. Yeah, I think sure that is where the most in, mo- most inspiration comes from, and where unique ideas come from. Yeah. Um, we do things in my office where we take the team out on a field trip once a month, and we go to a museum or the Type Directors Club or the Fabric Warehouse, or we just go somewhere. We'll even go to a great vintage shop it just get out and the streets of new york are full of inspiration um so it is important to stay curious and travel yeah i think um traveling is is really important but also like just to always remember like what you're connected to Mm -hmm. and and trying to give that to the public in a very simple honest way um i think to have certain ideals like to just stick to your Stick to, like, what you do and what you're good at and offer that in a very simple way. Yeah, I think that be authentic, basically, which, Mm -hmm. again, is, like, that's a theme that comes up a lot on the show, too, is being authentic. And, yeah, because I do, there is, like, this whole world where everything is so easily shared that it's hard to know what's what's original and authentic. Exactly. That's why it's important to write down your story and think about it so you stay true to it. Otherwise, it's easily, you're pulled in so many directions. And part of the creative process is we come up with a creative direction for the branding. And it's interesting. Some people try to just throw in random ideas away from the creative direction, and, and we always pull them back and remind them focus. how we got there, there it because is, it's our focus talk. Yeah, yeah, that's going to build a really strong brand. No, it's true. Yeah, I was going to say we talked a little bit in, over lunch before, um, and had our own little exercise. But what do you think about naming? Do you ever get people that come to you pre-name and and how? Yeah, all the time. Are there things that stay away from? Things that are trending? Well, well, I don't know. I mean, it's you? very specific and personal, again, naming, but right. it, it's. I would never hand naming over fully to an it's agency. It's a tough exercise. You I mean, really need the stakeholders involved in the naming. I've learned that many times. Right. If you try to do it without the stakeholders, it's never going to get through. Do you have any liability? When Do people ever come back to you and say, like, 
that was awful design. Like, you ruined my life. Is there liability? Not yet. I didn't know if you had to sign a waiver when you did good design. Okay. Any, anything else before we go on the lightning round? No, that's funny though. No. <laughs> All right. Um, this can be for both, or if someone doesn't want to feel it, you don't have to. Uh, favorite design trend that you've been seeing lately? I love chrome right now. Chrome. I love a sofa with a chrome kick. Like the shiny yeah. chrome? Shiny yeah. chrome? Yeah. Interesting. And I have chrome chairs right now on my dining table. Is this response because I feel like brass and brass yeah, is everywhere? Yeah, brass has been so popular right. for so long. And right. More with the 70s. Chrome is and coming chrome back. Chrome is coming back, yeah. Chrome is coming back. Um, I don't, uh, gosh, I don't <laughs> I feel like I don't follow design enough to know, to spot trends on it. I, but it's it's just, I'd love, I'd love to know like what color palettes you're you are. into right now. I'd like, I mean, I feel like the color palettes, I'm like transitioning out of like the rust, the um, like, Turmeric yellow uh-huh. thing. I know. I was so. You guys into are yellow, both on though. bar. They're both in full They're both denim. They're in navy. Which you can't see. <laughs> yeah, navy. indigo. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, we're we're all gonna start. <laughs> we're, I feel like we're all gonna start wearing dark colors now that it's getting cold Winter. in New York. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah. fall transition. Yeah. Um, but I think. Um, yeah. I don't. My color palette now. Yeah, I love your color palettes. I'm not sure yet what okay, that is. I'm not. She's in like, transition, also, just like the season. But yeah. also, I'm not in a position where I'm designing right. or helping design. I'm in another place in within my career, so yeah. I'm not really thinking about that too much. I think about, you know, what I think about is like having a home that's all in cement. Even mm. the furniture is cement, like very Moroccan, and then you put the like cushion. the cushion thing. Mm. And have like the cutouts within the wall and cement. Like I'm thinking and the a cement sofa. I love a sunken yeah, sofa. Like, I'm thinking cement homes. That's like where I'm at in a design space. It keeps it cool and heated well. <laughs> well, I'm also thinking of maybe doing something like near an ocean, and it has to feel like it's not going to blow away, or whatever's in there is not going to get ruined. I like it. What about design? What about food trends? Or have you seen anything that you're like? Just seeing over and over again. Natural um, wine. Natural what is wine? it? Natural wine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's Natural. a place called Skin Contact opening down the street from our uh, from our office, and yeah. And our friends Jeremiah and Fabian are doing people's. Yeah. Coming soon as well. Yeah, Jeremy. we didn't let Camille answer. We all got excited yeah, about natural wine. <laughs> um, I I mean the the whole like adaptogen thing I think is really cool, and I think making that into like deliciousness like taking like real like wonderful powerful healing ingredients and herbs and making them delicious because they don't come very delicious yeah like i think that that could be a cool trend in food we need to talk. Yeah. Yeah. I have a client who's focused on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amy, you look, doing business right also, here. Also, flowers. How about flowers are big. Flowers are yeah. food trends. Florista. Yeah, florista. Yeah, that's so true. We, I mean, there is the flowers on my cucumber salad yeah. here at Roberta's just a moment before I we came that. in here. Did yeah. you guys notice that? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So flowers, blossoms, bolting herbs. That's a trend. I love it. See, you do spot trends. Food side. Most overplayed trend. We already talked about brass. Max Lamb and Terrazzo. 
Okay. Um, yeah. Right. Max Lim Terrazzo specifically, because I love Terrazzo is, has many forms. To the, explain. Max Lim Terrazzo is this brand, either right? black or, or white. It's a designer, and he okay. does either black or white Terrazzo. <laughs> he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I, hope <not>. I, <laughs> I hope not. But it's oversized. doesn't matter. He's rich now anyway, because everyone's yeah, got I mean, it. Everyone has yeah. it, so he's good. He's on to something new. I'm sure. I'd love to see what he does next. Um, so, I think mine would be pink. The color pink. You're like, over millennial pink. pink. Just pink in general. There's restaurants that are fully pink. <laughs> There's a lot There's of. There's an entire one in Nolita, um, right? That's like yeah. pink outside, pink chairs. So pink, like. that's the trend that I feel like is so dated already. Yeah. It's, it's stuck around for longer than I thought it would. Well, it, it's true, and at our agency, we really have a ban on pink, but. Pink, I, yeah. pink is a neutral in many ways in neutral. whatever shade you use it. Well, so I think what happened it, with the trend was that it also happened at the time that people were paying attention or to breaking down gender barriers and the idea yeah, that pink exactly. can be for everyone. Uh-huh. So I think some pink is okay. I, I agree that there's a, an overuse of pink in a lot of places. No, it's a, it's a great for that color. Reason. So we'll, yeah. we will continue to use it, but yeah. I agree with Camille. You don't want to make something predominantly pink. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like a pink, pink and phone, jade. So sorry, guys. Yeah. I know. Like pink and jade were such like a like jade green. I don't know. Oh, I love jade green. I know. I see it a lot. Um, okay. So no pink. There's a ban. What about what's <laughs> your... Continuous <laughs> pink. What's that? Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. <laughs> okay. Alex this is sticking with thoughts. pink. That's what we just heard. Until <laughs> <laughs> it's going all These pink. We're thoughts. going all pink. Um, what's about your favorite either business or design book? I, I have this book called Patterns that I love. Patterns. And it comes from the design library in Hudson, which is over 7 million vintage and antique fabrics. <laughs> and so this is a little taste of that library, and it's a catalog of some of the patterns. Um, and it's cool. beautifully designed in the ba- the the binding of it has stitching and obviously endless patterns and inspiration. It's, it's one of my favorites. Um, I like um, this one photographer Martin Thompson. He does a lot of interiors, and he's he's it, they're all just really wonderful. Um, and I love AD Spain too. That's my favorite magazine too. Right, AD Spain so is so good. As in like Architectural Digest, yeah. but the, but the Spanish, Spanish version. version. Yeah. Interesting. Why specifically the Spanish? I don't know. They just right <laughs> but now. But it's funny that you guys are both like. No, yes, it's the AD's. only interior design magazine. Oh, it blows subscribe. out any yeah. American one. It's That's so good. So funny. Is, yeah. it, was there, is there like a secret cult following that knows AD Spain? I don't know. I know. That's really funny. Like, yes, the Spanish <laughs> no, but edition. It's no, just it's done true. so well that it doesn't surprise me that other people feel the same way about it. it. It's, yeah, it's the one magazine when people come on board. I have them go and look at. I want them to see it because. So if you get a job at the Morris Project. You will be required. It is yes. required reading. Exactly. It is. I it's so it. funny. I didn't know a lot of other people who are so, so passionate about it. Yeah. Look, there we go. Like minds. What about, um, we always like to ask about inspirational leaders in the industry. Anybody you want to shout out? Or it could be in design. It could be in food. It could be in hospitality. It's a hard one. I mean, there's something. But there is there um, Harry Handelsman in London. He's a developer who's always been a visionary, way ahead of his time when thinking about where to develop and what to develop. He did um, Children's Firehouse, oh, which yeah. a lot of people know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has great taste as well. But he's a real visionary, and he's very kind, and he has great taste, and he just kind of has it all, and he, he has so much confidence as well. Um, and he's always been a great support. So I, 
I just always, I wish I could have at early in my career worked under him. Yeah. And someone who really pushed boundaries and was not afraid to do that. And he's still doing that, mm-hmm. which is incredible. He just opened the Stratford um, just outside of London. And this is an area that is going to be up and coming. And he's done an incredible building there. Cool. Stratford. Camille? Oh, um, I think like in terms of like inspiring people that are that I would say in New York it's you know Diner Marlowe that team um yeah. Carolyn Fidanza who was their original chef and has now come back um I think they're such inspirations on all platforms like their design has always been very simple and specific and comfortable yeah. and kind of within their means which creates this other dynamic which like kind of pushes creativity and simplicity mm-hmm. um and and that is you know as well as their food like they're so committed to serving this um intentional sustainable style food um so i think they're like a great um, yeah also, they're very holistic. I always they, use them yeah. as an example of people who really think of everything. You know, it's, what is it, October now? They probably have a Czech presenter that is telling you about the holiday festivities. You know, they think about that. And that yeah. takes a lot yeah. of, I mean, in branding, you need to think about that yeah. in August, to have it on the table in October. Yeah, right. that's true. So they're very... They are, I mean... Very good at thinking about everything. And they've been doing it for so long. For so, I mean, yeah. it's like... Diners been it's probably been like 10 15 years, right? No, they Longer. just they just did their like 30th or 25th. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um 25th, maybe 25th, maybe 30. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize. It is such a cool space. I mean, you still go in and like the small little door. I it is like just yeah, it's yeah. A, the the experience. And that's too, one of those ex- Yeah, and that's one of those spaces that is that just stands the test of time it does. you know it's like yeah so if you haven't been to diner you know for those of our out of town people yeah. or marlowe in williamsburg brooklyn alex and i happen to live two blocks from it now everybody knows oh, where nice. we live but that's okay <laughs> yeah. um but yeah and even like the butcher shop I, we go into marlowe and daughters pretty much every day yeah yeah smart it's a right. smart company yeah it is cool um favorite place to seek inspiration for a new project you talked a little bit about going to on field trips and stuff, but is there like one place that... And AD Spain as well. Um, A dark closet or is it like... (laughs) There's so many, I mean, there's so many, I feel New York, the streets of New York always provide inspiration. For sure. Um, Definitely the the Type Directors Club is an excellent place to go in um, Cooper Union Square. It's just so much inspiration there. Um, There are materials, libraries in New York City that are great. All the museums always have exhibits. I mean, the Brooklyn Museum, the uh, Pierre Cardin exhibit, mm-hmm. is a great one to stop into and is inspiring some work we're doing right now. Um, for food, for me, I think Montreal is so good. Okay. Um, I, it's got the most amazing food scene right now. Um, also, natural wine. <laughs> uh, um, I think it's so delicious. Standout um, spots s- there that... Um, yeah, like live in Papillon and I love Larry's. I think it's like the smartest restaurant. Um, and it's, and, and for a New Yorker, you take a plane, it's 45 minutes yeah. and your experience is so European there. I need to go. And the food yeah. is so good. So good. Like they actually just care so much about 
food culture and community. You there. just sold me. Are you like? Are you endorsed by the tourism board tourism. of Montreal? <laughs> Montreal <laughs> I'm just tourism. kidding. But yeah, no. I mean, it does. It's a great yeah. trip, and I'm always very inspired um, f- by by food for about food there. Cool. That's a good tip. All right, so... Announcements? Announcements. Announcements. Um, this is our chance to shout out restaurants or friends opening soon. And I know Amy has a list. <laughs> She's do. like, I'm calling it's, her out. She's giving me the side minutes, eye. So. Amy, yeah, we only have a few I have minutes. A list. I'm hoping Alex will edit this list. Um, if I can even see it. Can we all, while she's... Uh, anybody you have opening soon? Um, I... Too, but I don't have the the name of the place. Um, I know Scars is opening in Midtown. That's a they are. Yeah. How how do we not get the lowdown on this? <laughs> I know. They're you know we still order Scars every single Friday at Till at HQ. OG Scars. Yeah. yeah, we love Scars. So I I just saw him the other day and I was just like, you know, I haven't been by in a while. I know and you're an OG like, Scar fan too. Everyone's like, yeah, why are you on hiatus? I'm like, every time I go there, there's a the huge line. Out the door, yeah. Out so the same door. concept. I know. So I lost a lot of weight because I'm not eating <laughs> so much. It's so good. Well, good for them. Yeah. That's great. Amy, what you got? All right. Well, I'm going to use Camila to help me here because uh, you want to say that in uh, Spanish. Murcilagos? Yeah, that's a new mezcal bar Ooh. in Mexico City Ooh. by Gonzalo Gout and Enrique Alvera. Oh, cool. Yeah, so check it out when you're there. And then in London Floor, right. you perfectly. Okay. Um, in London Floor, which is James Lowe's new bakery wine bar. Very exciting. Oh, yeah, I'm re- yeah, that's. It's great. And Pam yeah. Young is there, who's. Oh, from, was with yeah, uh, Chad Hotel. Robertson. And yeah. then he she also had um, her own Simone. Um, let's see. Then Peg in Hackney in London is fairly new and a great spot. A uh, snack bar in London as well is, is uh, three floors. It's co-working. It's cafe. It's fermentation. Cool. Check that fermentation out. Fermentation and a cafe. Yeah, they have everything. Um, Houston <laughs> Sweet Green just opened in Houston, so check it out in, Mo- in uh, Montrose. Um, and then next week in New York, uh, Cosmico. Tammy and Felipe from right. Clona right. Verde Clona opening Verde. a wine bar. Where is that one? Which it's at the National Sawdust. Oh, cool. Oh, in the, okay. Yeah, the in side, there's a skinny side yeah, yeah. bar. It's going to be a wine bar with uh, small bites. Cool. Yeah, definitely check that out. Awesome. And then also the Riddler, Jen Palka, she um, is opening in the West Village. I think tomorrow is technically their first day, which I'm really excited it's about. Exciting. We did some awesome um like chore coats for them and oh, nice. yeah they have like an all women team and oh great um and a lot a lot of and it was all food. funded it's all funded by women and owned by yeah women. yeah 100 yeah and she is this is her second so she has one in san francisco and then this is in new york so she's like bi-coastal right now and um it's it's cool it's, i'm excited That's to see great. it come to fruition and then lola taverna just opened on sixth and prince which was submitted by our friends john o pandolfi and they um did some really cool stuff they did like huge planters for them and like really so i thought nice. it was like a fun thing to talk about with design that you can get your ceramicists involved too this is the season for openings. Season right? for, oh yeah, fall. Get ready to eat. Uh, special thanks again, guys, for being here to Amy and to Camille. Thank you. Uh, we'll post a wrap up of today's show on our blog and uh, pick out some hi- highlights, and we'll also send it out on email. So if you're not already on our list, then it's, now is the time to get on the list. Um, how do we find you guys on social website if people want to? Uh, Social Morris Project NYC is the business, and Amy Morris is my personal. Cool. 
And I'm at Camille Becerra. Cool. Um, if you um, enjoyed what you heard today, then make sure and go back and check out any old episodes. Next week, we're going to be talking with Chef Sean Brock about bringing wellness into your restaurant. And that'll be a special uh, live taping that we're going to do at ICC. So that's really exciting. And uh, for us, you can follow us at We Are Opening Soon at Till at NYC. And obviously, you can get the podcast on your podcast apps or on Heritage Radio. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Opening Soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.